Hi, I'm Paul Swinkler and welcome to Tech Interviews. On this week's show, well, everybody's on a journey and so are we as we take a journey to the cloud. Settle back and enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Tech Interviews. Uh, so on this show, we're starting a new bit of a series, I suppose, taking a look at what the future is going to hold for some of us. You know, again, no, no surprises recording this during certainly in the UK under uh, the COVID-19 uh, uh, lockdown scenario that we've got. Um, and I think for lots of people, they're starting to talk about this idea of returning to work. But but for me, I think we need to be thinking a little bit broader of that. And it's not just about returning to work, but it's also about thinking um, about what the future is going to hold. How are we going to deliver IT and services to our enterprises, to our organisations differently in the future? So maybe that we can cope with circumstances that we just don't see coming like the ones that we've, we've had um, uh, during, during 2020. Uh, so to help me explore that a little bit today, I'm joined by um, a first-time appearer on the podcast, um, but but a good friend, somebody I've known for quite a while, uh, Grant Cayley. Hi, Grant. How are you doing? Hey. Hi, Paul. Very well, thank you. Very well. Thanks for uh, inviting me onto the podcast. Yes, I've uh, I've tried to get you on the show for uh, for quite a while. Uh, managed to hunt you down and and trap you in a corner, uh, mainly because you're stuck at home, so you had nowhere else to run. Um, but um, well, well, before we jump into the topic, and, and a big drive for this topic was a presentation I saw you give last week. Um, so you know we'll we'll, we'll explore that in a second. Um, but before we do that, uh, why why don't you uh, for for those who've not heard you before, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Let us know who you are and what it is you do. Yeah, sure, sure. So so Grant Cayley, as you've already uh, said. Uh, I'm the chief technologist for NetApp in the UK and Ireland. Uh, sounds a very grand title, but basically, I, I spend most of my time helping customers and partners understand uh, the complete kind of NetApp value proposition and, and vision. Uh, and I've been with NetApp for 20 years now, so a very long term uh, in terms of a history with one company. But um, but it's been great actually, it's been great uh, so far. So that's me, Paul. 20 years, man and boy, uh, like the sound of that. Um, so, um, and, and I think it's interesting that, uh, you know, and we're not, this is not going to be um, for, for those listening, thinking, oh, here's Paul talking to NetApp again. You know, it's not going to be hugely NetApp focused, this, because the presentation I saw you give was was very much around this idea of planning for people's journey to public cloud, you know, and, and I know people talk about public cloud, it's hardly a new thing. Um, but I thought some really interesting takes on kind of your approach to that. And I think it was interesting with um, your experience, you say 20 years at NetApp, you know, you, the, the experience that you've got and some of the things that you still see uh, companies tripping up over as they, as they try and uh, make that move. And I think one of the things that we'll, we'll kind of explore while we chat is whether we feel people's view to cloud has changed, maybe particularly over the last two, three months where uh, their, their whole approach to technology inside of an enterprise has changed. So, um, but, but why don't we start with kind of exploring what we mean? We're, we're going to talk about this idea of enabling a cloud journey, you know, your journey to the cloud. So, so what is it we mean when we talk about journey to cloud? You know, how, how do you kind of phrase that to, to people you talk about? What's, what's the understanding you have? What's the understanding they have? Yeah, I mean, it, it varies per customer. Uh, that I talk to in, and and by business as well as to what that journey to the cloud means. I think um, for some they're they're really on that kind of rush to to move everything to the cloud because they see it as a more agile way of working and and controlling and giving them opportunities as they go forwards. But for others, it's really bridging what they do in the data center today with what they're looking to do in the cloud as as they develop maybe new opportunities and projects and applications. Um, so we don't really see it's not a one way journey. I suppose it's it's very much a um, uh, a balanced approach for a lot of customers. Some are charging headfirst to the cloud, but equally some are trying to think about just picking off some of the cherry picking some of the advantages that they can get from using cloud technologies. Uh, it does vary across across everybody, really. 
Yeah, I think that um, kind of cherry picking and, and people who've listened to the show before will know I, I kind of like to use this phrase tactical cloud. Um, and, and if I say it enough, I'm hoping it will become a phrase that people actually use in the real world. Um, but, it, but it is this idea of, for me, using public cloud to deliver the things that have been difficult for you to do traditionally on prem, you know, so uh, and I think st- data and storage are, are, are big parts of that. Um, and, and is that kind of are you seeing a lot more of that? I mean, you, you talked there before about there are some pe- companies still looking to rush headlong into into public cloud. But are you seeing kind of a, a shift in that dynamic? You know, is there, is there more people looking at this kind of cherry picking idea um, or you know, has, has maybe has that not changed? And, and has that changed in conversations you've had over the maybe the last two, three months? Yeah, uh, I mean, that's a, an interesting point. I think overall, without the, the situation that we're currently sitting in in 2020, uh, more and more people are looking at adopting the cloud, you know, because uh, if they're looking at maybe SaaS applications, that solves a lot of the kind of issues around patching and lifetime uh, management of applications. So that makes it very appealing. And Office 365 is just taking off, you know, uh, hugely in that respect. And for other people, the cloud just really represents the ability to build and adopt new technologies like AI and other capabilities that they wouldn't be able to. They would be able to do themselves on premise, but it would take them longer to deliver it. So I'm absolutely seeing most customers now looking at the cloud in some shape or form. But what's interesting, um, and you kind of touched on it really, is is where we are in 2020 with COVID-19, that the change that has had has accelerated um, really have companies having the ability to move to the cloud if they need to because they can't get people into the data centers into their offices that whole flexibility around about being able to spin up uh, remote working and to do that you know at the scale which we've seen uh, has become one of the, the number one talking points i was talking to one customer who said uh, yeah we had a project to move all our users into office 365 over the next two years well we did that within the last two months because they suddenly had that business requirement to do it now you know it wasn't something they could afford to hold off so it's absolutely accelerating at a rate which means that the cloud is much more interesting now than it was two months ago than it was you know a year ago so very interesting yeah and I, and I share that, you know, the conversations that I've had over over the last couple of months, you know, I've, I've, I've had conversations that have gone down exactly that route. You know, we've been considering moving to the cloud, whether that's Office 365 or, or, or some other kind of cloud integration. And for those companies who had already made that move, they saw the um, technical transition, at least, of enabling more remote working. You know, and I, I, was, I was talking to somebody last week, actually, where we were using this phrase remote working. Uh, and I think one of the changes we might start to see is that um, we'll just drop the word remote from that conversation. People will just be working now in different locations. Um, and, and I think for those people who've kind of already made that move, let's say, particularly around some of those SaaS offerings, Office 365 being an obvious one, is that that change was a lot easier easier for them when they'd already done that uh, but conversely to that as well for those who hadn't and would maybe deliver that kind of project over a couple of years um, they've delivered that project over a couple of weeks because circumstances have dictated that they've had to yeah. um, and, and, and and actually in your experience where you've had those conversations with people you know have, has that has that created issues in itself you know has that um, has that taken you know the, the idea that they've perhaps thrown away some of the ways they would have managed and delivered and and uh, you know done due diligence around a project has, has that introduced problems themselves yeah, I mean, I think um, the general move to the cloud is, you know, if, if if you were delivering an IT project in your data center, you've got all the processes, procedures, the enterprise checklist that you go through around business continuity, availability, risk, all of that stuff. 
what tends to, we've seen certainly happen to some degree, obviously not in every case, is that those that are going to the cloud often throw that rule book away or that guidebook and they just move projects and expect them to deliver the same thing. You know, the, the SLAs in the cloud are not the same as you can build on premise. Uh, and you have to be cognizant of that fact because you have to really, you have to look at it from a different, through a different lens. You can't just look at it from, you know, as a wild west frontier, which some people have, you have to really take the enterprise capabilities that you're used to delivering and designing for and make sure you take those into the cloud as well. And I think a lot of people just forget that, you know, it's amazing how often they will throw away the past and just move to this new environment. But, but actually you can't, you've got to be as, uh, you've got to think through all of the enterprise checklist of things you would do in the data center and make sure you do those in the cloud as well. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a it's a really important point now, and I think you know again concur completely in that you know the I think the experience that you tend to see is that organisations don't think about that kind of stuff. You know, they they assume a lot of the time, um, and maybe it's getting better because you know there's more and more people having this conversation about realizing what public cloud isn't, as opposed to understanding what public cloud just understanding what public cloud is at least. You know, public cloud isn't there to babysit all the stuff you put in it. You know, if you go to Office three six five, for example. Microsoft are very clear about that shared responsibility model, you know, the things that you have to concern yourself with versus the things they concern themselves with. AWS is exactly the same. You go there, they've got a shared responsibility model. These are the things we do. These are the things you've got to be responsible for. And a lot of those things you've got to be responsible for are exactly the same things you're responsible for inside of your own data center. It's security. It's the... Uh, protection of your data it's ensuring your applications are available um, and I think you know you, you often see that people worry about that kind of stuff retrospectively they've already made that shift and then it's questions about oh hang on what do we do about this thing that we used to do in the data center um, you know and it's I mean so, so obviously that's a that that's a challenge and and you know but for people who are listening to this you know we, we're, we're kind of looking ahead a little bit as uh, maybe as opposed to mistakes we've already seen people make you know so so as people are starting to think about I'm going to move to the cloud. You know, what is, what are some of those challenges then that they should be seeing? You know, what are some of those things that are in their enterprise rule book that they need to be focusing on ensuring that they do inside a public cloud because actually the public cloud providers won't do it for them? Yeah, I mean I think um I think the biggest challenge actually with going to the cloud is properly understanding the cost model that the cloud works within because that's completely different from what you do on premise. You know, in a data center, you you buy something for three, five years, and then that's what you you use for that period of time. In the cloud, that's not the case. You're you're renting effectively all of the services which which you're going to deploy into. And people tend to forget, I think, that data is the biggest challenge they've had in the data center. You know, you've got this huge amount of data. Nobody deletes it. Nobody keep, takes care of it. You've got multiple copies, etc. When you go into the cloud, that 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 kind of becomes an exponential cost problem uh, if you're not really considering that. So cost is absolutely one of the big challenges. But then you've got all the other things that you think of in the enterprise, such as how do we get the data there? You know, what service levels do we build around it? Are we building this across one cloud or multiple clouds? What security and compliance do we throw in? How do I integrate and automate across the top of it? And then what do I do with everything that's left behind? You know, how does that fit into that kind of cloud journey, if you like? So there's a huge range of challenges in that respect that you need to consider uh, as you look towards the cloud. Yeah, I think that's, um, again, another really good phrase, because I like the one about not throwing away the rule book. But actually, that point there, again, about data, uh, because you're absolutely right, you know, it's the, it's the biggest thing, um, you know, and I've, I've similar kind of time to you, you know, I've, I've, I've been doing the, the role well roles and versions of it for for the last 25 years and probably over the last 10 
the biggest challenge for people has become the amount of data that they create. It's absolutely the biggest challenge in the data center. Um, and you're quite right. You know, it's and it's not just the size of that that data set. It's the security, increasingly the security of it because of you know whether it's malware, ransomware type attacks. It's the growing regulation around how we keep and use that data. You know what we're allowed to do with it, what we're not, and how we manage its use. And then it becomes things like. How do I move it around? The portability of that data, you know, how do I sure ensure that the right services can access it, the right users can access it as and as and where they need to? Um, and I suppose you're right, you know, why, why people think that's going to be any different in the when when they move to public cloud? Um, you know, what, what are some of the kind of key things? Because you talked about cost as well, and obviously that's a that that plays a big part. And it's interesting that cost is still such a big challenge for people. You know, it's something that seems to have been a consistent part of the the cloud conversation. Um, you know, and, and, I, and I guess one of the things that people come across is is those kind of things around storage efficiency, for example, that they're used to on-prem. I'm guessing as they move to public cloud, that's the kind of stuff they lose. And that, that kind of thing then has a huge impact on on their cost profile. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one, actually, because, um, you know, if, if you consider you've got a pool of data in your data center and it's maybe, let's say, it's 10 terabytes for want of a, a quantity, if you like, that's probably sitting on a storage efficient platform that's applying compression and deduplication and you've got other capabilities there as well. If you move that straight into the cloud, that 10 terabytes will probably end up being 20 terabytes because you've got to inflate it to put it into the cloud. So you've got that challenge first. And then once it's in the cloud, you're now paying on a monthly basis for 20 terabytes of data. And of course, day one, that might be an, an okay, reasonable cost, but day 365 or three years later, you've added more data, you've grown, you know, and that becomes 10 times that amount. And that's where the costs really start to, to impact. So what we've found, and obviously, you know, NetApp as a company deliver storage efficiency on premise, which customers can take advantage of, but you don't get that natively in the cloud on the cloud storage platforms. So really by being able to bring that technology as we can and put it into the cloud as well, we can A, avoid having to inflate the data as you move it which has a big challenge in itself but then also we can enable this the efficient storage of it in the cloud to keep that cost down it doesn't help you with the data management you still got to you know you should or you should still prune your data delete your data manage your data but it means at least that you're getting the maximum benefit out of the cloud resources that that data is sitting on from a cost perspective anyway so it, it's a really important point i think you know yeah, and I, and I think, uh, I mean, in addition to that, of course, when you, when you expand that data, so your 10 terabytes becomes 20 or 30, of course, it's not just about the capacity it's taking at that end. You know, if, if you'd planned your data migration based on 10 terabytes and suddenly you realize it's 30, suddenly that migration to public cloud is three times as long. And so your whole project timeline slips, you know, and it's uh, it, it, it's it's sometimes it's, it's understanding some of those nuances that I think uh, that can be the challenge. You know, because in most cases that that when people are planning a project where they're going to integrate cloud in some way, whether that's whole scale, whether that's kind of this tactical uh, piecemeal kind of use of cloud as, as and when they see it, it's probably the first time they've used public cloud. So they're not necessarily going into this with a, you know, as you said, it kind of in your, your earlier on, that the idea they're not going into this with 20 years experience and a run book that they're used to using inside the data center. This is this is all kind of brand new to them. So, so you know, so when you're having a conversation with somebody like that, you know, what, what are some of the areas then that, that you would talk to them about in terms of how they overcome these challenges? You know, how do you, how do you properly plan for that kind of journey to cloud, you know, what what are what are some of the areas that people should be focusing on? What 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 would you suggest would be a kind of a key three or four areas they should focus on? Um, I think obviously having 
cost and being able to track those costs, you know, because that's obviously one important factor because you are paying a recurring revenue bill. So you need to make sure you've got the tools to be able to do that, firstly. Um, you need to obviously plan um, what service level you want from the, the data that you're putting into the cloud, you know, because we build these things on premise that have got six nines and seven nines of availability and the business has forced us down that road. But you also have to consider in the cloud if that's what you need or are you prepared to accept a lesser level of service level effectively. So that's really important as well, knowing what you're getting effectively in, in terms of availability and reliability um, is really important. Um, and then also you've got to consider you're now putting your data into somebody else's data center. So what wrappers do you need to put in there around about security and compliance? You know, that they, the cloud itself is, is, is a very secure environment. They spend a lot of money on making sure their platforms won't get breached. What they don't spend a lot of money on, which is your responsibility or customers, is making sure that you work within the framework that you're given so that you don't make mistakes around about security. And if you do, that you have capabilities to, to help you detect uh, or avoid that. And then I think the final thing you have to really think about is the bridge back to the data center. How do you connect these two environments together in an ongoing basis? What needs to be connected? And what's your strategy for that? So those are the things that I'd consider people sit and look at, but they're not necessarily different from what they would do in the data center. You know, it's just really now thinking of the cloud as an extra uh, data center environment with a different set of tools just overlay your plan across both those environments. And I think in that respect, you'd probably be okay in terms of how you think about designing for that. Yeah, and I think that's a, a really important point. And, and it was something that when when I saw you, you kind of give that presentation that really stuck with me is the idea that treat the cloud in the same way that you can treat the data center. You know, you do your costings appropriately. You make sure you build and design for availability. You ensure that your security model is right. And and I think, and actually that, that, that last point as well, which is hugely important, I think is often maybe something that gets missed out is that idea of deciding what you do with the stuff that stays in the data center. You know, not, not, if not everything's going to public cloud, that kind of interaction, that ability to move data back and forth, um, you know, that ability to ensure that whatever stays on-prem can still utilize where, where it needs to, the stuff that sits in public cloud. Um, and again, there's, a, there's an interesting, another kind of interesting conversation that I, that I hear, and I, I just wonder what your thoughts on this as well, is I hear people talk a lot about when you start make, moving things into public cloud is to think about that kind of exit strategy as well, even before you've begun. Think about how am I going to get this stuff out again if I need to, you know, again, is that something that you, you know, is that something you recommend people to think about? You know, have you got some, any tips around that kind of stuff? Yeah. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's nice to think that you'll move all your services into AWS or, or Azure, whatever it happens to be. And that's the journey done as such. But, but the reality we see becomes actually because of cost reasons, you decide you need to move a service back out, maybe not everything, but certain services, or maybe, you know, Google come into the market more heavily and offer us a service which is twice as good and half as you know half the cost. There's, there's going to be a lot of reasons as to why you need to build a, an exit strategy really for the cloud. And the challenge, to some degree, is also thinking about um, not just how you would move those services back and the technologies that would support that, but also the cost of doing that. Because a lot of people are putting large amounts of data into the cloud, and S3 and Glacier are good examples of this. You try and look at. You need to look at the costs of retrieving data out of those services to really work out 
A, if you can, or whether you just turn off the data and just delete it, you know, because there's a huge cost. So, so building a, a strategy for exiting the cloud, I think, is just as important as building a strategy for entering the cloud. And actually, I think it's, uh, and I double check on this, but I think it's the FCA, so the Financial Conduct Authority, they wrote a paper about um, uh, moving to the cloud and whether it's safe for financial services companies to do. And the conclusion they came to about three or four years ago was that the cloud was a potential safe area for people to move data into. But last year, they wrote an article saying they're getting a little bit worried about the over-concentration of financial services in the cloud and obviously the impact that that could have from a concentration perspective. But one of the things they did talk about was companies need to have an exit strategy to mitigate against that, really. you know, And that's something that's really important. And it's really important when you consider the effort, the time, and the cost of egressing data from the cloud and how you can combat that with technology to help you get around those you know those problems yeah you know you know and i think it's a, it's an it's certainly a conversation i i have had with people probably over the last couple of years is to think about that idea of and again it's not necessarily coming out of the public cloud is it like you said before it might be that google now have a better way of delivering a service than your current provider does so i need to be able to move data and, and services and applications whatever in it across clouds and maybe i do need this kind of hybrid cloud world where some's on-prem some's in aws some's in azure some's in google you know uh, gcp and there might be realities of of people doing that. I mean, I don't think that's something we're necessarily seeing lots and lots of people do currently. But make but building in, you know, we we started this off, didn't we, about the the idea that talking about how we're going to re-architect and rethink some of our technology based on what we've learned over the last couple of months. And one of the things, of course, we have learned over those couple of months is the importance of flexibility. You know, it's 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 being able to adapt quickly to change. And and I think good example around the financial conduct authority there here in the uk talking about having that plan because one day something might change and you might need to come out of public cloud and go somewhere else so so i think that's a, that's a hugely important tip um and obviously i started this off by saying that uh, people might be listening to this and saying oh where's paul talking to netapp again um you know should he not talk to somebody else but one of the reasons i, I really want to talk to netapp about this this topic in particular is because and you know while grant you, you've done a great job of not talking about netapp you know one of the things i think netapp do really well in this space is they have a really interesting story around this kind of cloud strategy type piece, not just the stuff they're doing in cloud data services and some of the integrations they're doing with the traditional on-prem stuff, um, but actually is an overall piece where answering some of the questions, providing some of the capabilities you've talked about. So um, it would be rude of me not to ask you for, for a couple of minutes to talk a little bit about what NetApp are doing in this space, you know, and, and some of the solutions, some of the thinking that NetApp have in, in terms of helping people on this kind of move to cloud and, and answering some of the challenges and com- questions that we've uh, we've been talking about. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, very high level NetApp strategy is to, is to enable you to to you know to host and manage your data where you want to do that, and to do that in the data center. We've obviously spent thirty years delivering NAS and SAN solutions, which customers have you know adopted. But what we've also done is deliver that those same capabilities in all of the public clouds. So whether it's Google Azure or or um, AWS, and by having the ability. Uh, actually in other clouds as well, but by having the ability to have these common set of data management endpoints, either in your data center or in any of the public clouds, we create what we call a, a kind of a data fabric across those. And that helps customers really bring a commonality of technologies that can reduce the cost of deploying into the cloud, 
uh, provide mobility between those environments with a replication engine that efficiently moves data. And that's quite important if you're exiting the cloud. Um, but also bringing a level of services on top that enable you to enhance the availability, your business continuity, create disaster recovery between clouds or on-premise in the cloud, uh, and, and and also enhance the you know the security and compliance that you can get whilst automating across the top. It's that kind of data fabric landscape which we've been talking about for the last five or six years. So if and if you're a NetApp customer, you can go from your on-premise NetApp to the cloud NetApp with virtually no difference at all in terms of management requirements, in terms of uh, service levels that you maybe build or, or in terms of capabilities you build on top of that. And that's really important because it just makes the whole cloud journey that much more simple. But you, you also mentioned, you know, what a, how does this kind of change world uh, impact that? And I think what we're really seeing is, um, and you kind of mentioned it, is that customers will have this requirement to be able to work anywhere. It might be home working, it might be office working, it might be wherever that is. And I think the cloud's really important to support that because the cloud will enable almost the, the centralization of data. And then what we're bringing to that kind of market is the ability to, do, you know, to orchestrate maybe remote desktop deployments or to enable local unstructured file access in the office or uh, elsewhere but have that cached to where the data sits in the cloud. So the data becomes the cloud repository, but we enable remote access into that. And I think that's really going to help customers going forwards because you don't really know where you're going to need to be to access that. You just want to ensure that you have high performance capabilities to access the data and the applications that you're running. Um, and that's, you know, that's quite interesting, I think, in terms of where NetApp are trying to take our strategy. We're trying to build data management capabilities irrespective of whether you decide to put your data into the cloud or multiple clouds or into your data center, having a consistency across the top of that is, is really important. Yeah, and I, I echo that completely. And I, I've, I've talked again a long time to people about this idea of consistency, because if you're going to build this kind of, you know, NetApp call it data fabric, you know, whatever term people want to use for it, but as you're designing this kind of idea of a data strategy, you know, for me, the, the importance is that you design that strategy with the focus on the data. You know, what do I want to be able to do with the data? What information does my enterprise need to, to, to efficiently operate, to engage with my customers, to make widgets, you know, whatever that enterprise does? And that, that level of consistency, I think, is so important in so many ways, you know, because it allows you to keep in place a lot of the workflows, a lot of the enterprise management tools that you use, a lot of the ways that you secure your data and protect it. If, if the data sits in a similar and consistent platform, regardless of its location, I think it truly allows you to start thinking about the idea of, I don't really, you know, my, my decisions around my data are no longer based on technology or location. They're just based purely on the data. It's when, you see, and interesting, you mentioned it right at the beginning, this idea that people develop cloud, as, so it develop a cloud infrastructure and suddenly it just becomes another silo. The way that you use your data is then driven by, depends on where it is and what technology it's running on at any, any given time. So, you know, and, and is, that, is that something that you feel that, organizations who are making this kind of journey that's starting to introduce cloud increasingly into their infrastructures are they starting to recognize that or is there is there still a lot of work to be done in convincing people that that, that might be the way to think um yeah, both i suppose i mean i think um for some customers you know they want to put things into the cloud and they want to accelerate that and obviously what we've talked about just now can help them do that but for other customers they realize there'll always be some on-premise component to that um, but what most don't want to do is they don't, don't want to be making investments that, that kind of restrict their options effectively. 
Um, so if you can deploy a platform in the data center that's modernized but cloud connected, then you've built the capability, even if you decide not to use it, you've built the capability to stretch into the cloud, to move data and connect it to those cloud environments. And, and Matt actually talks, talks uh, Matt Watts, who has been on your podcast before, he talks a lot about you shouldn't really be buying an on-premise data platform today that isn't cloud connected, because otherwise you're just buying another silo of capability that will die in three to five years time and you'll have to move off of, you know, and that's really been NetApp's cap uh, kind of strong point is being able to, to offer cloud connected on-premise capabilities, which means you've got the option to then move or to build a bridge into the cloud and to be able to leverage data management across both of those consistently, as we talked about. I think that's really important to be able to do. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. So, well, Grant, it's been really interesting. You know, it's um, you know, and I know we've had this conversation quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, so you present this kind of information at an event um, just last week. I, I think it's a fascinating conversation. I think there's loads in there that that people who are thinking about how they're going to utilize public cloud in their kind of future IT infrastructure will. Some of the areas they need to be considering. It's interesting that cost is still kind of number one in that, and that that, that people still find that difficult. And you know, and, and uh, whether it's it's done on purpose by the public cloud vendors, but you know, finding how much something's going to cost can be quite a tricky thing to do. Um, but if um, if people want to find out a little bit more about what NetApp are doing in this space, and then of course, if people want to come and kind of hunt you down to to follow up with you afterwards, what what are good ways for people to do that? Yeah, so I mean, NetApp's kind of value in that space you just go to cloud.netapp.com it's a great um, location as a repository because all the cloud products uh, and the capabilities that we offer are easily accessed there along with things like cost calculators which is obviously one of the things we've talked about as being very important but also all of the other tools you know for example cloud visibility and how do you get insight into your data in the cloud and all of these things you can find those through that portal so i'd recommend that, uh, that you, you know the listeners go to that uh, and then myself personally, I'm on LinkedIn. I tend to post uh, probably more on LinkedIn, but I do post on Twitter as well. So I'm basically Grant Cayley, uh, C-A-L-E-Y on LinkedIn, uh, but then Grant A. Cayley on Twitter if you want to follow me there. And uh, I certainly do post fairly regularly on both of those platforms. So I'm assuming there's another Grant Cayley on Twitter. What does he do? <laughs> you know, it's one of these things I try to... Uh, I tried to get Kaylee.com as a domain name years ago, and it had been taken by a Caledonian train company who make um, models for customers. So, well, I don't know what the other Grant Kaylee does, to be honest. Uh, probably, hopefully, nothing as uh, as exciting as I do. But um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although nothing's exciting as making uh, small trains uh, for people, uh, which which always sounds like an, an exciting thing to be doing. Yeah. So, um, but Grant, I, I think it's been fascinating information. Um, I'll make sure links go into the show notes, and I, and I definitely recommend actually having a look at cloud.netapp.com because um, Net NetApp recently redesigned that uh, probably over the last last couple of months, um, and it's it, it's very much driven now around when you visit that site, looking at solutions. You know, it's, it doesn't talk about products; it talks about the things that you you might want to do in public cloud and then of course links back to what NetApp are doing in that so i'd, I'd certainly recommend uh, taking a look at that so um but for now grant uh, thanks for sharing uh, coming on the show thanks for sharing your time with us and uh, i'll make sure i don't wait as long to um to force you to come on the show again but uh, <laughs> but for now grant thanks for being on tech interviews and uh, look forward to speaking to you again soon all right thanks paul thanks for having me I hope you enjoyed that for show notes pop over to techstringy.com we'll also find all of our previous tech interviews episodes if you've got an idea for a show or would like to appear as a guest, then why not drop me an email at podcast at techstringy.com. 
Next time out, we move into part two of this short series where we take a look at how we're going to rethink the way that we work from anywhere. To make sure you catch that show, why not subscribe? You can find us in all good homes of podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. So until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.